The following Dharma encounter with Jeffrey Shug and Arnold Roshi took place at Zen Mountain Monastery at the conclusion to a week-long meditation session. As you'll hear, Dharma encounters begin with the introduction of a topic related to Zen practice and training. Students then volunteer to present their understanding of the topic or a question for the Dharma encounter teacher to reflect on. The presence of fellow students means that anyone in attendance can benefit from the exchange. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. So this morning we are concluding our Apple Blossom session, which is the mid middle session of this spring ango, which we're studying <clears throat> birth and death using <clears throat> some teachings of Master Dogen and the Mahapanabana Sutta of the Buddha, the last weeks, days of the Buddha's life, <clears throat> his final teachings. And this is Dharma Encounter. So rather than a Taisho, this is um, really in the tradition of um, direct meeting, direct encounter, live words, as a way of um, examining oneself, the Dharma, um, encountering the teachings, getting them under our skin, letting them, those teachings run through us, disrupt old patterns and habits, free what is stuck, reveal what is hidden. And the Dharma encounter is, as is all the teachings, you know, in a sense, when somebody becomes a formal student, they come in and do nine bows and ask for the teaching which is a request for the teachings, and it's also an expression of permission to receive those teachings, that the student is ready to do that. Because until we are ready, we can be immersed in them, swimming in the ocean, of what will help us, but it's not able to be received. And so in every encounter, we meet that where we are, but that's not fixed either. So there's always the potential for something more. And what I wanted to focus on this morning is um, a teaching by the Buddha, and then to bring in a couple of passages from the fascicles that we're studying of Dogen. The Buddha taught, and these are you know, in this sutra of his final teachings, his final words. He said, you should all live with yourselves as your island, yourselves as your refuge, with no other as your refuge. You should all live with the Dharma as your island, with the Dharma as your refuge, with no other as your refuge. And how does a student live with himself as their island, themselves as their refuge, with no other as their refuge, and with the Dharma as their island, their refuge, and no other. So this is a, a teaching, a passage that is often quoted. I think it perhaps really appeals particularly to those in the West, or perhaps those in the U.S., because 
it seems to be affirming our very me-oriented culture. Hallelujah. It was about me all along. (laughs) And that's really what I want to examine. How do we understand this teaching within our, the ocean we're swimming in, of this hyper-individualism, centering the self, putting the self forward? How do we hear these words, which is really invoking taking refuge, which is a a very um, essential Buddhist teaching and practice, taking refuge in the three treasures. So here the Buddha is invoking this essential aspect of what is Buddha Dharma, taking refuge in yourself as your island. You are your refuge. That is what you take refuge in. The Dharma is your refuge. That's what you take refuge in. But particularly in that first aspect, to to take refuge in yourself as your island. To live with yourself as your island, with yourself as your refuge. How is that not cutting oneself off from others? How is that not retreating into our habitual self-clinging, our ego, our impulsive consciousness, our views, our opinions, our desires? The Buddha said delusion is seeing the world in terms of I am this, This is me. This is mine. Possessiveness. How is this not putting ourself first or putting ourself only? In terms of the Dharma as our refuge, our island, how is that not putting the Dharma above everything else? Which means if you're a Dharma practitioner, you are above everyone else. How do we live this teaching as the Bodhisattva vow that is dissolving walls, realizing the mind, awakening the heart. An island is a very powerful image, right? Because when you're on an island, that's it. That's what you have. It's surrounded by water. You can't get off that island. So whatever you need has to be there. You have to find it there. How is that not isolating? Isolating you. Setting you apart and alone from everything else and everyone else. In a sense, what does this teaching of the Buddha have to do with trust? We speak of that a lot. To profoundly trust in ourselves. What does that mean? What does trust need to be to be trustworthy? What is the relationship between live with yourself, live with the Dharma as your island, as your refuge, and the three treasures, which we take refuge in every day? Is it the same thing? Then why didn't the Buddha say that? Take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. He said, take refuge, live with yourself as your island. And what does that teaching have to do with birth and death, which we've been studying? I mean, that is the study of the Dharma. With your living and dying, today, each moment, and at the time of your eventual passing. What does this teaching of the Buddha, remember the Buddha was preparing to die. 
He was also teaching those things that he wanted everyone to know, to hear, to remember, to practice. He wanted to imprint those in in their minds, in our minds, because they were final teachings. So let's just start there. You should all live with yourselves. We should all live with ourselves as our island, as our refuge. So how do we have faith in our doing that, our practicing that, our capacity to understand and and bring that to life in a way that isn't separating ourselves, cutting ourselves off, putting ourselves above another, creating isolation and aloneness? How How do we receive these Buddhist teachings? Okay? So I'd like to invite those, those among you who are participating in the Ango formally, and um, those of you who gallantly came forth last month can stay at your seats, and those who did not can come forth. And so particularly those of you, if any of you, those of you who haven't done Dharma Encounter before, this is a really important part of training, is putting ourselves on the spot. Right. You didn't know what I was going to bring up. I don't know what you're going to bring up. So we do this live and together. And so it's a great practice of just coming forward. Right? Trusting yourself. And so those of you who haven't done this before, as well as those who have, students, seniors. So we'll begin. <clears throat> This dharma is incomparably profound and infinitely subtle. This clinging to self, so subtle. Still, I get caught again and again. So how do you take refuge, live within yourself, take refuge in yourself that isn't more of the same? What self is it that you're taking refuge in? Become completely familiar with it. When Dogen says to study the way is to study the self, what self is he talking about? Your deluded self? Your enlightened self? Right now I can feel my heart and the taste of the cough drop that I just ate. Mm -hmm. And how do you know what to trust? How do you know whether it's wisdom that spontaneously arises and guides you, or whether it's impulsive consciousness? In a moment of wisdom, I can recognize wisdom. But how do you enlighten your mind when you're not sure if it's wisdom that arises, or you're pretty sure it's not. How do you walk this path at that moment? I have a lot of teachings to draw upon, and they pretty much every time point me back to this here, now, and I trust that. And what does 
living within yourself have to do with undivided activity. At such a moment as this, I can only bow in gratitude. May your life go well. Shosanji, I guess I just wanted to see what's on this island. What have you found so far? Sometimes I want to get the hell off the island. Mm. Yes. And? The island follows me. (laughs) Yeah, it has a way of doing that. Have you ever found it lacking? I fear that it's lacking, but no. I don't actually find that it is. Have you ever not been able to find what you need? Actual question. In the moment when it's needed. No, not in the moment. Really? I mean, not, I haven't found it lacking in the moment. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Wait. I've had many moments. I could not seem to find what I needed. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) And now what? In in such a moment as that? I feel uh, my face flush. But what is the Buddha whispering in your ear at that moment? What is your heart telling you? Just keep going, keep walking. But what does that mean? What did the Buddha say? And? You have everything you need. Well, say what he said. I can't remember what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Live within yourself. Live within yourself. You know, we talk so much about, about looking outside, putting a head on top of the one we already have. The ways in which that occurs are so many, so varied, so obvious and so not obvious. All the many ways to live within yourself. And so living within yourself, there you find delusion. How do you live with that? How do you take refuge in that? What does that mean? I just... I have to trust it. What exactly? This. And may you never stop, may all of us never stop questioning, examining this. Because that's a word. But it is not. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. (laughs) Shoshanshi, I'm very nervous, and I love these questions. Why? 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 
because I've been asking them since I was born. And on this island, it's taken me many decades of practice to experience I'm not alone. Mm. I mean, I wake up, my way of saying hello to God is before my eyes open, I take refuge. And I wake up a lot during the night, I take refuge a lot during the day. Um, um, I mean, I'm doing a lot of metta for myself and our world. Well, what are you taking refuge in all those many times? I'm, I'm taking refuge in um, something mystical. I'm taking refuge in the teachings. What is, ta- what is taking refuge? When relaxing you... into mystery, relaxing into presence, relaxing into being. What is mystery? Um, it's not concrete. It's um, um, uh, extrasensory. It's Given that, is there anything that is not mystery? No. It's all beautiful and mysterious. But what about all of that? All of that. Well... The sorrow, the sadness, the misery, the, the wholly unnecessary... I know. Um, grief that we create. Yes. Um, so where's the beauty there? The great way is perfect like vast space, with no access and no lack. There, in that suffering, what is perfect? There's karma unfolding that is difficult. But what is perfect in your alone, aloneness, loneliness? How is that perfect? How is that not lacking something? Or at what moment do you experience it as not lacking? Loneliness. Yes. At what moment do you, can you, have you ever experienced that as not lacking? Wait, is loneliness, loneliness is a, a big lacking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not perfect, well, like vast space. <laughs> well, when I relax and let it be, then it's okay. Okay. So let's just remember, or just sort of underline those words. Relax and let it be. Because everybody uses those language. There's a song. (laughs) And so those words are, are just in our common vernacular. But what do they actually mean here? How does that actually relieve that loneliness? How does it actually free you? from it? How does it show you that there is that, in that, there is nothing lacking? Which is really just the question to examine, to really understand these words that for all of us that you're saying, because they can sound so easy. Oh, just relax. Let it be. No, it's taken me 75 years to deal with loneliness, and all of a sudden, like, where'd you go? So, you know, these these patterns... um, but, you know, a gazillion hours of relaxing, and lo and behold. And isn't it interesting that it takes so much 
effort to do what you're calling relax. Yes. Yes. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. She just stole it. <laughs> I'm lacking. Shosanji. Um, I've spent a lot of portions of my life in alone situations. Um, I by uh, my own desire to be in that situation. Now, at age 80, uh, I find more discomfort in that. I think I'm too alone. Mm. Um, so the uh, words about being on an island are a little unnerving. Mm. Um, I, in some ways, can't imagine being really comfortable with say, dying uh, with none of the people that I love anywhere near. But maybe that's, maybe that's uh, a different, uh, maybe the loneliness that um, you're talking about here is um, different. Well, loneliness, we can be in the midst of friends and family. We can be, be in the midst of a crowd, of a sangha, and be lonely. Right? So yes. it's not necessarily just a matter of proximity to people. Yes. Right? So how transform this island? Right? What is this island that the Buddha is speaking of? It's just uh, me, uh, whatever that is. Well, then how do you live within that island in the moment of loneliness and, seek re- and take refuge there? What does it mean to take refuge? Do you remember what Dogen said? He said it means to unreservedly rely upon. So to take refuge in yourself, in your, in the Dharma, it means to unreservedly, unhesitatingly rely upon, rely upon. So how do you rely upon yourself, right? in all circumstances, in every moment, because that's what we're training to do. And what does that mean when the moment that arises is a moment of loneliness? How do you rely upon yourself there? Or let me ask it this way. It would be a little bit easier. How do you not rely upon yourself in that moment? How do we not take refuge? Yes, I, I would not take refuge. I, I would want to take refuge. But I'm saying how... Explain, show what it means to not take refuge in such a moment. Because that's what samsara is, right? Yeah. And so, in that loneliness, we, if you did not take refuge, what, would you, what might you do? Watch Instagram. Okay. <laughs> and what does that do? Uh, makes me feel hollow and like a fool. But where is that, where is that taking you? The Buddha said, live within yourself. So in that moment, where are you living? Well, I'm obviously not living in myself when I, I say facetiously, I look at Instagram. But that is, 
uh, a compelling sort of thing along with a million other things. And in that, news, you're right. you know. and in that moment, what are you getting? Like, why turn to that? What are you getting? Because it isn't doing anything for me. Uh, it doesn't feel good. No, but when you turn towards it, when, I, when you're not taking refuge and you turn towards it, what is it giving you? Because it's giving you something. That's why we turn towards it. Turn uh, towards, towards the Instagram. Or television. Yeah, your reputation's already ruined. Everybody already knows. <laughs> okay. So, everybody, so... Everybody knew that long before this comes. So when you turn towards it again, what is that giving you? It gives you something. Well, relief from the foolishness uh, of all of the things that we do uh, to avoid uh, you turn at the things you're making me suggesting that I look at. Uh, mm -hmm. In a way, I don't really, I have a hard time uh, when you say, look at something, mm -hmm. um, which is good advice, but I don't then go back and say, okay, so how do I look? I, I just... What does it mean? I mean, to, look, to follow the breath. What does that actually mean? What are you actually doing? That's right. It's just that. It's not complicated, right? It's not looking, it's not following, it's sensation. One moment. Yeah. And when that moment is undivided, you're living within yourself. You're taking refuge in the breath, in yourself, in your mind. It's all there. Oh, I know that. That's what I do when I get into trouble. <laughs> okay, very good. May your life go well. And yours as well. Thank you. Bow. Uh, Choco, you're going to bow. bow together. So, Sanji. Where could I find the world if not inside myself? Where can I find even to connect to someone else is not to find, to leave myself and travel to another person is to find them within me. But if that's so clear, why isn't everybody doing that? Why don't you do it all the time? It's called <laughs> delusion. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, like I was asking with Choco, you know, we can be foolish, yeah. act foolishly, but, but our actions make sense to us. So if I turn to something, I'm turning to that something for a reason. I'm expecting to get something, and I probably will, right? Because that's happened before. And so what is it that we're turning away from, and what is it that we're turning, when we're, when we're not taking refuge, right? And that we do get something. Why isn't that? enough. When we try to leave that island. Well, first I'm part of a archipelago. There's quite a few islands. <laughs> but, um, the taking refuge with yourself, the turning to yourself that the Buddha is pointing to. I mean, it's again, it's Dogen, I mean, to study the self is that all things are there. Mm -hmm. 
And when you're turning away and trying to find something else, I mean, that's the struggle, is that we're, we're, we cling, we're attached to things that makes us blind mm-hmm. and lose our way. You know, there are many challenges along the way because of, of, of how sort of self-reinforcing a habit is. But because our desires, when we pursue them, we fulfill, we get some fulfillment, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't do that. Even if what we find is pain, that may be satisfying us in some way, affirming some sense of who we are or what we deserve. And so when we can get easy pleasures so easily, it kind of makes sense why it would be so difficult to actually want to give that up. And even to think what of giving that up means. It means, okay, you get no more pleasure, right? When I say it's so much easier from within delusion, it's, it's, it's so much easier to misunderstand the Dharma, to misunderstand letting go, to misunderstand. I mean, Buddhism, is, in a sense, is about living one's life pleasurably, but in the, in the truest way. And so to, 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 in a moment, to not turn away or to, in turning away, to begin to experience that pleasure as painful when we go grasping, clinging, that's a big shift. And that's the beginning of raising bodhicitta. Because when what has been satisfying is not, increasingly unsatisfying. And to be willing to step forward away from what, that, what is known to what you don't know. Like when you started out, you didn't know how this was going to work out. I didn't know how this was going to work. And from this point on, we don't know how it's going to work out. And so what kind of trust is that? Where's that trust come from in you? It's falling in love. Indeed. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Shosanji. Seems to me that Buddha is saying it won't come from outside. Not not from inside either. But when neither neither inside nor outside mm. applies. But what do you do when that's not yet clear? You've seen that going outside is not living up to its promise. It's pretty unsatisfying. But the idea of going neither inside or outside is really just an idea. Like, what does that mean? And you need to do something. So what do you do? What did the Dharma direct you towards when you first entered? When I first entered? Hmm. I'm not sure I could say when that happened. Well, don't worry about that. (laughs) Just pick a point. How about now? Okay. Where do you direct yourself? Can't find it. 
There is that. But along the way, and all throughout, there is turning the light around, taking the backward step, directing oneself inward. We use that language, right? And it's, there's a truth to it. Right? In the same way that there's a truth to turning our attention outwards, right? And when we turn our attention outwards, attention is where we put our mind. And so it's not just that attention goes outwards, but everything goes outward. Energy, awareness, longing, satisfaction. It all becomes dependent on something else. When you turn inward, when you yourself are that island, all the same is true. But now, here it is. Here it is. May your life go well. Thank you for your answer. So, Shanti, I got online because, as it happens, I live on a remote island surrounded by water. <laughs> See how far this metaphor goes. <laughs> 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 but my first thought was, well, you know, there's a lot of fairies. <laughs> so, not really alone. But then I was also thinking about, um, you know, the view out my front door is spectacular. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Many times I, I'm brought to tears how beautiful it is. And then during the pandemic, when I was literally trapped on that island, I would look out the front door and feel oppressed. Mm -hmm. But I remember, like, I used to think this was the most beautiful thing, but I can't find it now. And so, thank you for that. What is that showing? What is that showing you about your mind or about the landscape? Yeah, well, the landscape is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was my mind. But what about it? I was wanting something different. And that wanting had... What kind of effect? How powerful mm -hmm. is that? It changed everything. Made the most beautiful place in the world look like a hell. So let's just reflect on that for a moment. Take that in. Because we all know that experience. From one day to the next, something changes. And... You look out and it's a different world, it's a different landscape, and it's real. You're actually experiencing that. It's, you're not making that up. And so, what, what do you do? What did you do? Where, did, where was your refuge? You know, a lot of times when I've heard that, it always just sounded like a lot of work, and kind of drudgery, like really? What do you mean? Like to go, really, it's like I have to do all this myself. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think really the experience is um, there's plenty of room. Hmm. And that very honest moment of come on. Really? I have to? Give me a break. 
that's such a perfect moment for something else. Right? Jump on that ferry. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, it's, just a, it's, just a, it's just a human thing. Right? And that's where practice, you know, being in this can seem like such a task, a chore. Being aware. I mean, I remember, you know, for many years, many sessions, where just finding my breath was like, really? Seriously? (laughs) I have to do that? I can't do that. I'm not doing it. I can't find it. I have no more concentration. I'm all used up. Right? But that bell, that damn bell hadn't rung. (laughs) Right? And so... Start again. Open the door one more time. May your life go on. Thank you for your teaching. (laughs) One way that that comes up a lot, might have even come up this week for some of you, that kind of weariness of ourself just getting worn out by our own habits and patterns, which is good and precarious. Why is it precarious, Shoka? (laughs) Why is getting worn out precarious? Yeah. Why is it good, I said. So it's a pivot point. And a pivot point means it has great opportunity, but it's precarious. What is precarious about that? Getting worn out with one's own habits and patterns. Retreat. Wanting to just get away. And what might be the other side of that? Immersion. What do you mean, immersion? In well, to, 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 to embrace, become... Uh, that which is so incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. This birth and death is the life of a Buddha. If you try to exclude it, you lose the life of a Buddha. If you cling to it, you lose the life of the Buddha. And what remains is just the mere form of a Buddha. But the thing about that is, there's a mere form. There is something there. And we might take that as the Buddha. We do that all the time. right? Take a shadow, take an echo of something as the thing itself or as just enough. Only when you don't avoid birth and death or long for it do you enter Buddha's mind. But there's another thing we can do, too, which is to turn that weariness with ourself against ourself. You know what I'm saying? In other words, to bludgeon the self out of weariness of the self. I think so. Mm-hmm. And how does that go? It's uh, uncomfortable, to say the least. 
And yet, we seem to find comfort in it. It's familiar. Exactly. And we know what to do. We know what to do. We know how to be in that discomfort. So it's not only uncomfortable, but it's comfortable. Exactly. <laughs> and there's the rub. That's exactly right. And, you know, we have to taste that. We have to be in that very place, not just once, and begin to see. It's, I mean, it's very similar to what Ikkyo was talking about. How in that moment, the, the vastness of what we are and our ability to adapt, or we might say, make anything right side up. Take anything and, and, experience, and, and, and use it as medicine. Or take anything and use it as poison. That's how powerful the mind is. That's how powerful the mind is. And we see the power of that mind on display everywhere. And unfortunately, the power of our ability to make things with that mind seems to so often outreach our ability to understand not only what we have made and whether we even need it or not and how to use it, but who made it. Who made that? And so Dogen says, however, do not analyze or speak about this. Because this could just, we could just get talk about this all day. Too many pronouns. <laughs> What's this? Just set aside your body and mind. Forget about them. Throw them into the house of the Buddha. Then everything will be done by the Buddha. When you follow this, you're free from birth and death and become a Buddha without effort or scheme. Who then is it that remains in this mind? Is that a question? <laughs> Dogen seems to be asking us. And that is a perfectly valid answer. I don't know. I don't know. And there is, I don't know, and I want to know. I don't know, and I keep coming back to that house of the Buddha. Is this the house of the Buddha? You tell me. Feels like it. What about this in front of me? What is that? Feels like it to me. <laughs> Mayor Life Cole. Thank you for your teaching. <laughs> I mean, an essential part of practice, it's hard to do this unless we get comfortable with not knowing. And I don't mean in a deep existential way. I mean, I just don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand this teaching. If we, if we don't become able to hold that, right, not knowing, and, and let it actually lead us in, inspire us, rather than 
be a kind of a testimony of our inadequacy. It's going to be very difficult. How could we know, right, without sustained effort? Yes. Um, so I've, so Sanji, I've uh, mentioned before I, to you, I struggle sleeping for very specific reasons. And uh, so session week um, can be tough. Um, and I had one of my difficult nights the other night and um, sort of walking in the morning over from the Jizo house. I had this moment where I said to myself, uh, I've got to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was after the morning work practice break, sat down and my neighbors probably heard me laugh, which was, how the hell am I going to do that? I can't do that. Um, I've do, tried before to what? hold it all together. Mm-hmm. I've tried before. And so I can just give up, give that up now or keep trying for another three days and be miserable. And mm-hmm. So yeah, give up and stop trying to hold it together. Turn to the island, not that fabricated island of me and, mm-hmm. you know, I control, I can control this. And in that moment, what was that island? When you turned towards it, what did you find? Confidence. Tired, tiredness? You said you were tired. Oh, turning to the island of not controlling, mm-hmm. of, of practice, of, mm-hmm. yeah, um, back to the practice, back to the breath, taking it one period at a time. That, that island. And when you're tired, that's you're part, tired. part of the island. <laughs> you're right. Tired. Yes, it's totally and when we don't set that up against what could be or should be, then there is just, there is nothing apart from that. So in that moment, we're not seeing a mere form of something. We're seeing something more in its true form. It's just not what we expected. And just for the benefit of others, there are many students inside session, outside of session, who struggle with sleep. I mean, that's a thing, you know. And so um, I just wanted to pick up on that so that people who do have that struggle know that you're not alone. Um, and that that, you know, just gets, we have to weave that in as part of the conditions under which we're practicing and try not to solidify it. You know, because you wake up tired and you think, oh, God, this day is going to be forever, and I'm just going to get more tired, and then tomorrow I'll be more tired because it's linear, and that's the way it goes, and I'll just keep getting more tired until I finally <laughs> collapse. You know, and, it's, and yet then there's a moment where you're not tired. So if I may, just um, so it predates my coming here, and um, um, actually read a book that I was publisher for that was pretty lousy book, but there was a bit of advice in there. It was from a famous sleep doctor that I didn't think the book was very good, but there was a bit of advice, which we're just saying, you know, and even when you don't sleep well and you have a really bad day, it's not going to be that bad after. It's not definitely not going to be as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. And um, the nice thing about coming here um, more than once 
is that one gets to have the same experience over and over. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what? There, there, yeah, there's some faith driving it, faith in the Dharma, faith in what Shugen Roshi just told me in Dokusan, faith, faith in what the monitors say. Yeah, you, you actually get to try it out. Yeah, you realize, like Jesus, it's not going to kill you. No. Your life go well. <laughs> So shiny she. Um, I'm not sure whether you're always an island, really. Uh, whether you're always an island? Yeah. Uh -huh. No. I, what came to whether me, I'm always an island? No, who, who are we talking, talking about? about myself. Okay. You, the general, you. The, the, so I have to talk about my travels. I was in Tajikistan. I was in a completely different community, the women um, couldn't make sense of me because I wasn't married, I didn't speak the language, there are no tourists, um, and I was completely alone, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, with time, people or the women, they understood something about me. And I understood something about them, even though we didn't speak the same language. So what do you think the Buddha means when he talks about being your island that is your only refuge? That you have to trust yourself. So, but you started out by saying you don't know if you agree with... That. Uh, uh, oh, that's what you mean. <clears throat> well, in your mind, you are... Mm -hmm. Because the Buddha is talking about how to live our lives everywhere, anywhere, all the time, right? And so it's, it's influenced by our circumstances, but it's not dependent upon them. Exactly. What he's talking about is, is finding the, the source. We talk about the ground of being, the great matter, the mind ground, right? The source, that it's the essential, it's the ocean from exactly. which every wave arises, right? And because it has no abode, right. and because it is not a part, right. it's never not here, right? But and, that's what you trust, no? Is that, is you, that, me. That's I mean, what you trust. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the, uh, what I trust. Uh, okay. How do you trust that in a moment when you know that you're... you're caught in, you know, an attachment, a strong emotion, anger, whatever, then how do you trust? Well, it is the experience of remembering <laughs> the situations where I know it just works, right? You know, I can trust myself. Yeah, I mean, yes, and, and sometimes that's exactly right, and sometimes that's, that can be a little dicey, you know, because how because, do we know? Right. So it's like when we know that we're a little drunk mm -hmm. with, a, with a strong greed or anger or fear, anxiety, jealousy, to be mindful and to be compassionate, to practice the precepts means to know yourself, to know your, live in yourself in that moment. And so if you're driving down the road and you're intoxicated, how do you drive? 
It's a, it's a real question. Well, I have to recognize that I'm intoxicated. Yeah. So how do you and, drive? Huh? How then do you drive in that state? I have to be mindful and see it. But yeah. how, do you, how do you actually drive? Carefully. Oh, oh, oh. you mean literally yeah. uh, intoxicated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally I intoxicated. I, th I thought intoxicated. Yeah, we're sort of thought. going back and forth with metaphor. <laughs> but to make it real, right. If I care uh -huh. about myself and anyone else who might be in my proximity, I drive carefully. Right. And then even better, deal with the intoxication. Right? That's not a, maybe that's not a good time to be driving. Maybe I don't have a choice. But to be compassionate, to live our vows, means I, I am particularly attentive in that moment because I know in a certain way I'm not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. I'm not trustworthy in this moment. And I see that. Mm -hmm. And that's an expression of trust. Mary mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Lefkoe. Thanks for your teaching. Shosanji. Um, this Ango, we're studying life and death. And this morning we, we spoke about the ways we feel supported by the Sangha. I mean, I think we all feel that. <clears throat> um, I feel so uncomfortable in many ways saying this, but I, I, I want to tell you this Ango and also the Sangha Something that um, I, I normally don't bring it up just because it's so intense, and I just don't want to. But um, but we're here. We're mm -hmm. studying. Mm -hmm. um, in my life, my father, who raised me for twenty-four years, and good father. Um, cancer of the blood broke his spine for years, you know. Um, pain, anguish, like those, just like koan study, like there's no entry. Those words mean nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not special. We all have our stories. Um, this is my island. This is this is that is what I take refuge in. I mean, if I I have to, that's what happened. That's, and just like now, this is this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. And what does it now? What does taking refuge, living within yourself, taking refuge in yourself, mean? How do you bring that to life with this beloved parent mm. who is suffering? Your, your father is here, and you are yes, living within yourself, taking refuge. What does that mean, then? Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much good in what came of it. I, um, you know, the day he died, I, I sat in this hall. Um, I'm choosing to build a life around this practice, mm -hmm. you know. But when you're with him, when you're with him, when you were with him, mm -hmm. and he was suffering, mm -hmm. And you couldn't take that away. Yeah. Wow, this is what life is? Wow, this is possible. 
whoa. <laughs> and so how to take refuge in yourself, live within yourself in a way that is inclusive of that, mm -hmm. him, his condition, yes. his suffering. Um, well, fortunately, so much of the things that we fill our life with just had to go because nothing mm -hmm. could touch what was happening. But I had the breath. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily, it was just 30 minutes away from here. Mm -hmm. And there also is Zen Mountain Monastery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is the Mountains and Rivers Order. Mm -hmm. And there is you. And there is me. And that living within yourself is, is beginning to see how vast and boundless. If you can hold your aspiration, all the good in your life, all the blessings you have, and your pain, mm -hmm. and regrets, and all of those difficult things, if you can hold all of that, put all of that in one house, then you can do that with your father, mm -hmm. and all of his pain, mm -hmm. and others, and their pain. Mm -hmm. Put it all in one house. In other words, let the walls of that house fall. So to be an island within yourself, that island is the whole catastrophe. Mm -hmm. That's yes. taking refuge. We begin practice and everything is very, very small and confined. And it's not, but that's our perspective, our perception. What would you say, um, fueled by these, by any measure, very intense feelings? They simmer. They, and that's where I'm at in practice, I think. The best I can tell is um, coming into practice like the world is on fire, everything's mm -hmm. collapsing. And, but now it's like life is pretty good, but yet there's these unresolved major issues. Yeah. And it's, of course, the world that I want to take responsibility for. So how do we translate these and also accept, and this is part of my process telling you this now is, um, it's spreading out in a new way, my life just generally, and um, I don't want to do things the way I used to. I want to grow. So how do we live, you know, I often say this, how do we live on this, in this world of delusion while we're trying to free ourselves of delusion? How do we live in this body and mind that has delusion when we are trying to enlighten this body and mind? We have to hold it all, not set it apart, because then we just get echoes and shadows of a life and reality. How do we open our, how do we drop off our skin and let the suffering of the world just come right through, mm -hmm. right? We're learning how to do that by learning how to hold our own suffering without, as Dogen said, without denying it or avoiding it, and without longing for something else. Yes. Right? As I spoke about yesterday, you know, don't, don't love what's close and despise what's far away. Don't give it extra weight. Don't take it lightly. Just make yourself clear and bright. And then, and then you encounter your, the aspects of yourself that you can't control, the things that you've done that you can't undo, and the pain of some of those things. How do we live with that, those realities? Because this isn't a fantasy. We're trying to wake up from the fantasy, 
right? Mm -hmm. This isn't about being some sort of idea of a master controller, right? We live with our humanity. But how do we do that in a more and more enlightened way, right? So we practice, we aspire, we vow, we establish intention, we do all that we can to bring forth that enlightened nature and all the good qualities and to quiet and diminish and to let go of those things that are no longer helpful. And we still live with, and we continue to live with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And isn't that exactly what we can do with the world? Mm -hmm. There are things we can do. There are things we're not in control of. Samsara is every generation. We're having our own experience of it. And because it's our experience, it can seem like, holy shit! And there are holy shit aspects of our particular version of samsara. Never before things. But I imagine in every generation, people have felt some version of that. How could this be happening? Right? This, this madness, this yeah. pain and suffering, this violence. That Buddhism recognizes that as something that we keep doing. And so in that way, it's not much of a balm, but it just helps us to understand it's always been like this. It's just the truth. Right. And it's, we don't fix it because it's not that kind of a thing. There are things we can do. Just right. like you can't fix yourself. Right? That's not a correct view. Mm. And, and when we begin to reflect on it that way, it begins to help guide us in how to be in a world of such immense sorrow and unnecessary pain while wholeheartedly vowing to alleviate it and to hold all of that and just have your feet on the ground. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Show Sanchi. You know, um, I'm realizing how much I recoil from that, that notion of, you know, kind of being an island. Mm -hmm. right? And there's another sutra where the Buddha talks about, um, he describes like the great practitioner as like an elephant that walks alone through yeah. the jungle and all these metaphors which come yeah. being alone. How, um, what a terrible prospect that is. Mm. But, you know, um, so much of my life before I entered practice was exactly that, mm. right? It was profoundly alone. And, you know, it, it led me to some bad places, right? Mm -hmm. You know, self-destructive, you know, potentially suicidal places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I've just been sort of reflecting during this is, what is the difference between that island yeah. and, and, and this island, right. right? Right. In some ways, you know... Um, That's exactly why I wanted to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it can be so misunderstood or just seem to affirm that difficult exactly. kind of island. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because this island, it's, it's, it's not difficult in that way, you know. And I guess the one thing that, that's different is I can now sort of, um, I can see what the mind is doing, right? Uh, you know, I can now see what my mind was doing back then, mm -hmm. right? Then, right. right? Right. And, you know, and I can sort of start taking apart the reality that 
that that was, mm-hmm. right? And that, that it sometimes it still is, mm-hmm. right? And does that make you kinder, more compassionate towards that towards. earlier Prabhu? Yeah, and, and, and hopefully towards everyone else on the island. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It also makes me sad, you know, somewhat heartbroken, right? Because all those years, it didn't have to be that way. Yeah. Although I guess I was doing the best I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, think back, could you have done it differently? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I know. mean, maybe in little ways, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've thought much the same. And that, but when we look back with more understanding, more clarity, then we understand. It makes sense, you know. Yeah. So much of what we might have thought made sense in terms of what was motivating us or we don't even know, didn't even know. And it really, you know, it makes sense how how this led to that and this, you know, what we were doing, what we were trying to get, right. what we were trying to get towards, what we were trying to get away from. And and I and I hope that it does help us to under have more compassion because you know, we see how we were sort of working within our world, right? Dogen said we have to work within our world. Mm-hmm. And that that was the world we were in, right? And it was limited, but it was the world. And so we were, you know, as you said, doing the best you can, we can, which, you know, is more or less true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd probably go down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's what's so important, because not only can we misunderstand the teachings, but we can turn practice into that. You know, it's sort of like as we become more and more accepting of ourself, less judgmental, more understanding of why these impulses arise, of how these habit patterns still have life. And it's like, oh yeah. Right. You know, and it's not such a freak out. It's not, you know, we don't we don't have ill will towards ourselves. And how in a subtle way we can become complacent in that. Mm-hmm. That's not the intention of the Dharma, but we can do that. Right? Or that as we go into that silence, that stillness, that clarity, we can form an island, create an island of that, which is not what the Buddha is talking about. An island of, of stillness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's why the Bodhisattva vow is so important, because it keeps pulling us out. When I came in, I wanted that island. Oh, my God. I was, I was on an island but I wanted a better one, <laughs> right? But I was still basically looking for an island of alone, yeah. just me. Right. And Buddha and the Buddha, <laughs> Buddha and my teacher was not having it. Was not having it. And so, um, I thank him every day. Thank May you. your life go on. Thank you for your teaching. I think these. This deep teaching of the Buddha is so taking refuge. You know, those words as we practice it, as we merge our lives into that, right? The experience of that has such depth and breadth and warmth and invitation and um, company. And that the power of that is that it's never absent, ever, ever. You know, I've often said that when our, when our life is, we're struggling in our life or our practice is struggling, 
that invariably for a practitioner, we have, we have become distant in some way from the three treasures. When other things become important, when we take refuge in other things, they become more important because that's what we're putting our energy into. They be, I mean, that's, that's what samsara is, is putting our energy, making things important that are giving things to us, but they're not actually serving us. They're not actually serving us. And that when we begin to understand that and redirect, be guided towards our, putting our tr attention towards those things that w do actually serve us, then those become more important. And it's interesting how just in everyday ongoing practice, when certain things, even of the, of the Sangha, things that we're doing, things that are happening, when they become important to us in a way that we're moving away from actual dharma, moving away from living within ourselves, we may not see that. Because what we're giving our attention to appears to be an aspect of the three treasures, but it's become a shadow. I don't know if that's clear, but I'd like to talk more about that later. <laughs> and I want to just end with to bring back some words of Master Dogen. Having come through all of this, Dogen says, there is, after all, a simple way to become a Buddha. When you just simply refrain from unwholesome actions, you're not attached to birth and death and everything there is. And you are compassionate towards sentient beings. Respect those who have lived longer, had experiences you've not had, are more seasoned. And be kind to those who are coming in your footsteps. Without excluding or desiring anything, free your thoughts and worries. And now you are called a Buddha. Seek nothing apart from this. There is a simple way to become a Buddha. And we create all of this and do all of this for that. So many steps to realize we've never left home. But those steps seem to be necessary. <laughs> so thank you for being here this morning. Please take care of your practice. And thank you for giving it to us today. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats, and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.